Welcome to Finding Faith, the space we come to share stories of encounter, ask questions, and share in the lived experience of others. As you listen to the stories of our interview guests, I ask that you consider the courage it takes to stand before your peers and share your experience of faith for the benefit of another. My name is Jesse Bennett, and this is the 12th episode of Finding Faith. Today, we have with us Emily Payne. Emily, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Emily, formerly Bickett Payne. I grew up in Whitesville. I am married for 10 years this year to my husband, Josh. And we have two children, Reese, who is six, and Mason, who is four. And I am a physical therapist. Emily's going to share with us a little bit about her story and how finding out how to completely rely on God helped to bring her closer to Him. Emily, uh, why don't you tell us your story? Okay. Thanks for having me too, Jesse. I, <laughs> I feel honored. I grew up in a strong Catholic family. My parents were and still very are and still are very involved in the church community and continue to carry on the traditions that were set forth by their families. As a Catholic family, we did all the Catholic traditions. Grace before meals, mass every weekend, prayers at night before bed, etc. Uh, I'm very much a rule follower, so for me, it was just a part of our routine. I think before I encountered Jesus, that was pretty much what it was for me, a routine. I prayed to God, but mostly to ask for something, it seemed like. Uh, I graduated from Trinity High School in 2005 and went off to college at WKU. I became part of the Newman Center there, which was Uh, the Catholic Church community on campus. Uh, I went to Mass twice a week, mostly because they had a free meal after, but also because uh, I felt lost and once again kept asking God for things and praying for myself predominantly. This continued as I went on to graduate school, got married, and as we began to think about starting a family. Uh, My husband is also Catholic. He grew up Catholic, and so the traditions of our families continued I will say that I fell to the wayside at times while going through different phases in life and did not go to Mass on a weekend every now and then. It wasn't quote-unquote important to me. I would then get angry at God because He wasn't giving me what I wanted. I continued to feel lost. This got a little worse after I suffered a miscarriage after a year and a half of trying to conceive, but I know that doesn't sound like a, a very long time to some people who've been trying to have a baby for a while, but when you have that desire to be a mother, any length of time is too long. I was angry at God at this time, once again, feeling lost, feeling sorry for myself, and just wondering, why me? A couple of months after the miscarriage, I became pregnant again. We were over the moon and thank God every day for answering our prayers. That is the day that I began to pray for someone other than myself, it seems. I was so thankful that God had blessed us, but also terrified of losing a baby again. I began to pray for God to keep the baby alive and growing in my belly. We found out that we were having a little girl, and we could not have been more excited. The pregnancy went well up until the anatomy scan. The ultrasound tech found something that was abnormal about our baby's heart. That is about all of the information we were given that day, and then she referred us to a maternal fetal medicine specialist in Louisville. We were worried at the time, but honestly did not know the details about anything until four weeks later when we met with our specialist. We found out that our baby girl had a heart defect. 
her heart did not fully close when it was developing in the early weeks of pregnancy, and she would have to have open heart surgery after she was born. We were devastated, to say the least. It took us uh, a long time to wrap our head around the fact that the little girl we hadn't even met yet was going to have to have open heart surgery, a surgery that was so hard on adults, and now a tiny baby would have to endure this. Once again, I thought, why me, God? But my prayer life changed once again. I began to pray immediately for her to continue to grow healthy in my body. It never occurred to me to pray for proper growth and development with a, with a child. No one near and dear to me had ever really dealt with anything so serious with the health of their baby that I could remember. Little did we know that there would be more other issues to come. The first time I encountered Jesus was the day that my little girl Reese was born, rather promptly via emergency C-section. She was the most beautiful thing I'd ever laid my eyes on, and I knew immediately that my job was to protect and nurture her. This was the day I began to pray in thanksgiving for all of the blessings God had given me. Right after she was born, the nurse went to take her temperature, rectally of course, because that's how they usually do it, and found that she had not formed an anus, which, for lack of a better term, is the opening in which... You do number two. (laughs) This was a surprise to us, unlike the heart defect. She underwent surgery less than 12 hours after she was born to place a colostomy bag. We did not have much time to really process all of the information that had been given to us, much less prepare for her to undergo surgery so quickly. Uh, She did well and was in the NICU for a couple of weeks until she was stable. During these trying times, I could not help but beam with happiness. God had blessed us with this beautiful baby girl, and my job was to take care of her. My needs went out the window, and I was there to do whatever was needed to keep her as healthy as possible. I had to learn to change a colostomy bag, as well as look for signs of heart failure. I had to rely on God a lot. And from the day we knew that she would have to undergo heart surgery— I began to pray for the surgeons and all of the healthcare team that would be involved in her care. I said a rosary every single day on my way to work. Once again, a creature of habit, I said the same prayers every day, said a rosary every single day, and I still continue to say some of those same prayers. Fast forward to March 4th, 2015, the day I encountered Jesus once again, the day that my faith grew immensely. This was the day that Reese underwent her open heart surgery to prepare her heart to repair her heart that was the size of a walnut. This is the day that I had to have complete faith in God. I had to hand my five-month-old baby over to a person wearing scrubs so that she could go have her chest cut open. I knew that my only saving grace, the only way to maintain my sanity, was to give it to God. He was in control now. I had to relinquish the quote-unquote control that I had and give everything completely to Him. And I did. As we waited in that little room for Reese's surgery to be completed, we prayed the rosary. I led the rosary, and I was at complete peace throughout the entirety of that surgery. Jesus Jesus was with her. He was protecting her. He was guiding the hands of that surgeon, and I could feel it. I had no doubt that it was also from the prayers of all of our family, friends, community members, and some complete strangers who were praying for our baby, and for us too. Reese had a huge impact on people, and I feel that she also had a hand in some people returning to revisit their prayer life and faith. 
Reese recovered well and had a few other surgeries from other health issues, but is now a thriving six-year-old who attends kindergarten at St. Mary of the Woods School, and her little brother Mason attends preschool there as well. After finding my faith on a deeper level, my prayer life has completely changed. I start out with prayers of thanksgiving for everything that God has given me. I am no longer selfish in my prayers. During our many stays at the hospital, we realized that our situation was minimal compared to many others. I share Risa's story and my testimony of faith with anyone who will listen and let them know that we would not be where we are today if it weren't for Jesus and His answered prayers. I realize that no matter how hard I try to, quote unquote, control things in my life, Jesus is always the one in control. We have to give Him our worries and trust that He will guide us appropriately. He always does, maybe not in the way we hope He would, but always in the direction that He wants us to go. We just have to listen and relinquish that control. I teach my children how to pray, and we always end with, Thank you, Jesus, for all of our blessings. And we each pick someone to pray for other than ourselves. I teach my children that if they are having worries, that they ask Jesus to take those away and to be with them because He is always with us. I also pray a monthly novena through a website called Pray More Novenas. I am an avid prayer to Mary, the Holy Spirit, and to our saints as well, and ask them to intercede for us, along with my very faithful, loving Catholic family. I also have a very solid group of friends who are also loving and kind and very strong in their faith. Two or three years ago, one of them gave me an idea to pick a saint at the beginning of the year every year to pray to throughout the year. So every year on New Year's Day, I pick a saint or two and pray to them throughout the year, asking for their intercession for my family and I throughout that year. Uh, it's a neat way to kind of get to know our saints and to have some prayer warriors on your side. I think that um, whenever you are looking for a saint, maybe you have something sort of specific in mind for that year that you're wanting to maybe work on or improve. So it's nice to kind of uh, search and find that. I'm also very involved in the church. I feel that it is my duty to share my time and talents with my parish in order to praise and worship God in different ways. I'm a lector, a Eucharistic minister, and a member of our parish council. This church and parish community is very important to me and my family, and I want to be a good example for others, for my children. There have been many who are a convert to the Catholic faith that say the reason they became Catholic is because of the good work that they saw another Catholic do. That's pretty powerful, if you ask me. I have also used my testimony of faith to help others in similar situations. I have been able to be there for people and to share how Jesus has been so present in our lives because we invited Him in, because we had faith in Him. People often ask how we were able to endure all of that, how we were able to get through it, because they just cannot imagine going through something like that. My answer is always Jesus. I tell them that, that is the only way we were able to get through it. We gave everything completely to Him, and He provided protection and guidance. The power of faith and the power of prayer is unparalleled. In a quote from an online article called The Power of Faith by Dennis Lee in 2017, he states, God uses people who are not afraid to trust Him completely. And this faith, faith produces enormous power for a greater purpose. The more faith we put in God, the more we allow God to direct our lives the more power and blessing we are going to have. I challenge you to put your faith completely in God today. 
I want you to write down a constant worry that you have been giving, been having, or several, and I want you to state, Jesus, I give you my worries. Then I want you to rip up those worries or burn them and truly give them to God. Instead of praying for yourself or for those worries to go away, I want you to thank God for all He has given you and ask Him to guide you down the path that He wants you to be led down. Ask Him to guide you to His purpose for you and your family so that you can eternally rest with Him in heaven. After all, that is our hope for our final destination, isn't it? And the church says amen. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow, that is such an amazing story, Emily. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. As a parent, I can't even imagine what that was like. So I guess my first thought from this is that that feels like a make it or break it moment in your faith. And what I mean by that is where some people could just take that as God doesn't love me. He's not a good God. Mm -hmm. I'm done with him. Or you can go the other way and rely completely on him for that. How did you end up on this side of that? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that maybe I didn't think that at first or, you know, through through all the things. And I know that I easily could have gone that way. I'm human. And but I think that I was so I was just so thankful that he blessed us with a child that I knew that he was good. You know, I knew that it was it was for a, a higher purpose, a greater purpose. And uh, I just... And there were so many people praying for me at that time, too, that I think they were able to guide me to that as well. You know, yeah, you mentioned having this um, team of prayer warriors, I assume both on this side and the other side of heaven. Amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit more about this experience of, you know, you said you were terrified, you know, you'd already had this miscarriage before. Mm-hmm. Now you're pregnant again, super excited, go for the anatomy scan. And that's every parent's worst nightmare is that something's going to come back wrong. And I imagine that's doubly true for someone who's who's had a miscarriage previously. So what was going through your mind when I guess th- that four weeks later when you met with the specialist and they're telling you what's going on? What's, what's going on in you when you found out that news? It was hard to process for you know, there for the first few minutes, my husband was with me, of course, we had an amazing doctor, Dr. Tab. I'm sure some people know exactly who he is. If you know him, you won't forget him. And he was so, um, so supportive and calm and, you know, tried to explain everything as best as he could as well. Also, they said with the type of um, heart defect she had, that there was a 50% chance that she would also have Down syndrome. It was a very common heart defect with within children who have Down syndrome. So we did a blood test that day to just see if, if she also had that, which it didn't matter either way. We were going to love her no matter what, but it was just another thing we were going to have to worry she about. To, well, and, and something else with. to be able to prepare for. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. That's And that's the only reason that we even cared, you know, just, okay, we're going to have to prepare for her to have heart surgery. Also, do you know other, other things with, within what you go through with someone with Down syndrome? So Mm -hmm. yeah, being able to tap into the communities that support families and parents and, and just to know what kind of needs your child's going to have right out of the womb. Exactly. And I'm a planner. So, um, that's, I feel that (laughs) very much. (laughs) I need a plan. I need to know to research things, to to know what's going on. Exactly. So that I can be best prepared. So, um, we might be the same person. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then you're thrown another curveball at the hospital, being born with no anus, immediately having to go into a surgery. And yet you say that you couldn't help but beam with happiness. I just find that so amazing that even in this time of struggle, you were able to find the blessings and Mm -hmm. be thankful. And then the surgery, when she had heart surgery at five months old, and you say, I had to relinquish control and hand over everything. Mm -hmm. So you're in the waiting room. Can you tell us about what that moment was like? Yes. So that night, I had several family members. You know, my family, my my mom is one of 10. My dad is one of 12. And lots and lots lots of of family, lots of family. So people just wanted to be there. They couldn't do anything to help us besides pray for us or or bring us food or be with us. Mm -hmm. So that night it snowed. I mean, it was a huge snowstorm. Nobody got to come except for one of my stubborn aunts. We tried to get her to not come. My aunt Carlene, <laughs> if you're listening, and we appreciated her coming. She made some really cool shirts for us, her and her and my cousin Allie. And so she came. But thankfully, not that I didn't want the others there, but we had a pretty small waiting room. So I'm not sure any more of us could have fit in there. <laughs> we would have been hanging out in the hallways. Um, so it was my mom and dad and my sister and her husband and then Um, my husband's mom and dad and his sister and then my aunt. And so we were all, it it was a very, it was a private waiting room. So we had a a closed door and everything. We all had, we had holy water. We all had our rosaries. We had little, she had been given little angels from people. And that was my plan. I was like, okay, guys, time to say our rosary. Like we're going to do this. We're going to pray our way through this. And, and that's what we're going to do. Because God is good and he is with them. And that is all I can do at this point. Yeah, exactly. Is pray. So um, like I said, I led the rosary. It was very calm. It was very peaceful. And and it was good. It lasted four or five hours, I think. I can't remember exactly. But there was a nurse that would come in ever so often and just give you updates. Give us updates. And then at one point, so like they put you, they put the baby on bypass so that their body can still function. They can stay alive while they're working on the heart when they took her off of it to test it. So, so to speak, he wasn't happy with it. So she had to go back on the bypass and, and work a little more. Anyway, the, the surgeon came up after that and, and talked to us and I hugged him and I was just so thankful, you know, if, if you can't tell, I'm a very thankful person, <laughs> but I was just so, well, thank you. Like you're like my Jesus on earth right now, you know, like yeah, you're just, saving my you child. You are saving my child. So I think he was a little taken aback by that, <laughs> but I don't really care. Um, we had to wait a little while to see her after that. And then once we did see her, she had, I mean, so many lines and, and and a breathing tube and all the things but I was so happy to see her you know I was like well there she is like she's alive and there she is I don't care if she's swollen I don't care if she has 14 lines connected to her like I'm just happy to see her so and then another little bump in the road there um I think it was two or three days later it took her a while to wake up kind of from from all the medicine and, and everything and I was okay with that because I didn't want her to be in a lot of pain you know yeah. She had been taken off several lines, but at one point her oxygen dropped a couple of times and 
after the second time, I was like, I hollered at the nurse because she, she was kind of like turning her head. I don't know. It was just something wasn't right. So she ended up having a couple of seizures as well at that time because there's a risk for that whenever they had to take her off the bypass, put her back on, all of that. So that was a very scary moment as well. But once again, we made it and we prayed and she's fine and it's all good. So I love that your initial response to this is to pray my way through it. You know, you said, we're going to pray our way through it. And <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful sentiment. And you're right. That's what we have to do in times of struggle and hardship is pray our way through it. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I'd like to move on to something else. You know, you, you mentioned this idea of praying for or picking a saint at the beginning of every year and praying to them. That's such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard of that before. And I might have to steal it for next year. You should. So how do you go about choosing which saints you're going to ask for the intercession of this year? So I, like I said, I can't take credit. This was this was an idea from one of my awesome friends. And I think that I kind of just think about what not necessarily goals. I don't make goals for the year, but I just try to think like, what do I want to improve on? What, you know, is my marriage struggling or like, I mean, we all have ups and downs. Let's be honest here. Um, do I want to be a better parent? Do I want to be a better friend? Do I want to work on improving our finances? Um, just do I want to, you know, improve what I'm doing in my career? I think we all want to improve on these things, but I try to Anything that's just sticking out in my mind or that I'm worrying about a lot, I'll say that. That I'm things that just I'm worried about. I'll just kind of Google that and and what saints are affiliated with that, or you know, are, are they the patron saint of this or the patron saint of that? And just kind of go from there. Just kind of research a little bit and kind of figure and it out. And then pick from there. And then pick from there. Based off of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then I assume throughout the year, say that you've picked a saint to you know, help with your marriage or Mm -hmm. help with finances, I guess, when those problems come up, when you fight with your husband or when you're worried about finances, because like you said, it happens to us all. Mm -hmm. I guess I assume you just pray to them in that moment to intercede on your behalf. No, I pray to them every single morning, no matter what. Oh, and it's just sort of a global prayer. So I say, um, I think St. Maximilian Colby and St. Matthew, the apostle are my saints this year. And I say, pray for I can't even think of what my prayer is right now. I say, Mary, <laughs> I'm you on the spot. Mary, please help me to be a better wife and mother. St. Joseph, please help my husband be a better father and husband. St. Maximilian Colby and St. Matthew the Apostle, please pray for like the health, finances, struggles of my family or whatever. Just kind of a global like prayer every prayer, single every day. Every single day. Wow. Every single morning. That's such a cool idea. Like I said, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a routine. I can't promise that I do it on, I'm off on Thursdays and Saturdays and Sundays. So I can't promise that I do it there because I'm off of my routine. But every morning that I go to work, it's either like while I'm getting ready or while I'm on my way to work. Creatures of habit. You know, though, that's, 
that's how um, that's how we create virtue in ourselves is by creating routine and habits and sticking to them. Mm-hmm. And as much of an anxiety and worrier I am, I have a terrible time with sticking to routines. I don't like <laughs> routines. <laughs> that might help you, Jesse. I know it might. It might. Maybe I should on my drive to taking the kids to school every morning because that's a routine I'll never get out of or at least not for the next 12, 14 years. Yep. Maybe we can start praying to a saint every morning. There you go. I like that idea. Yeah. Last but not least, I guess I just want to say that I, I really like this challenge that you issue at the at the end of writing down a worry, handing it over to God, and then destroying it. I just I, I love this idea because I'm I'm a worrier. I'm a, I, I like to plan. I like to I don't like to worry. I just I do. Yeah about everything. And uh, I want to have a backup plan for every potential scenario and situation and then a backup plan for the backup plan. So that leads to a lot of worry. Mm -hmm. I might have to try this as well (laughs) of uh, writing those things down and tearing them up. What do you do when you have worries that are just like constantly cropping up in your life? Once again, prayer. I just pray. You know, there's Jesus always says, do not be afraid. I'm with you. Do not worry. So I just try to remember that. And whenever, so during one of our parish council meetings, I don't remember if it was the beginning of the year or the end of the year, but you were there, you and Joe. Yep. And we did the kerygma. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. That's sort of where it started for me. Basically, it's asking for the Holy Spirit to intercede for you. Mm -hmm. And one of like the little lessons or activities or exercises was to write down your worries and give them to God. Yep. And I was so moved at that. I mean, I was in tears. And so I was like, this is so hard. This, that is the hardest thing to do. But once again, what, what else is there to do? You can't change the fact that you're worrying. You can't sometimes change what you're worried about. So you just have to try to get through it and try to ask God to take that away and rely on him, relinquish the control, hand it over, hand and it trust over. that he'll take care of it. Yes. And that is so hard. It is very hard. Yep. Well, thank you, Emily, so much for sitting down with me today and for sharing your story with us. It's such a beautiful story of trust and reliance on God. And I challenge others to 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 take these words seriously and to find the places in your life that you're worried about. We know we all have them and to hand those worries over. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jesse. It was a pleasure. And thank you all for listening here today. If you are interested in hearing more stories of finding faith and encountering Tune in next week for our next guest. If you have any questions, need someone to journey with, or would be interested in sharing your story, please contact me at findingfaith123 at gmail.com. 